bridge Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lives a feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This is the 200th episode. It's the 200th episode! <laughs> I was trying to figure out what to do for the 200th episode. For the 100th episode, I did a Best of Betty. Uh, with I went back and listened to all of them and picked the best stories, but... I was thinking about it, and the podcasts I listen to, I don't like a re- I don't like a best of because I've already heard the stories. So I didn't want to do that for this 200th episode. (laughs) But uh, instead, I decided to have like a bit of a theme. And the theme is uh, instead of looking back at the podcast, it's a look back at my long airline career and all the weird stuff along the way, and all new stories. It's kind of like a theme of remember when. And we have stories about eclairs, stowaways, porn stars, grab bags, ice sculptures, and volcanoes. Let's get on with the show. A lot of the remember when stuff with the airplane has to do with the lack of technology or innovation. They just hadn't thought of things. So... They hadn't thought of meal carts when I started, so you had to hand run and hand pick up hundreds of trays. And we served meals on like hour and a half flights, and sometimes we couldn't finish. So we'd have to get on the PA and say, uh, we're about to land. Uh, We realize some of you still have your meal trays. Um, Just put them on the floor under the seat in front of you. Can you imagine that today? It seems crazy. So we would run out the meals two at a time, one in each hand. And when you put one tray down on the passenger's tray table, the other arm would raise because you didn't want to hit any other passengers like in the head or the face with the other tray. So you'd set one down, you'd raise up the other one, and then you'd put the second tray down and you'd go, "Uh, oh, where is the uh, eclair and you'd look up (laughs) and the eclair would be stuck to the passenger service unit the passenger service unit is where your light is and your flight attendant call bell and the eclair like the chocolate icing would be stuck (laughs) we would get on planes and we'd walk on and we also served at that same time we served this coconut cake with a white icing and you'd get on a plane and you'd see smears of white icing (laughs) from the coconut cake on the passenger service units. Now that's something you don't see today. Well, this, this would never fly today. <laughs> yeah, so the, I remember one flight, we were coming home from Rio, and 
<clears throat> must have been around Carnival because the flight was completely full and uh, we needed at least, we had at least five non-revs. Employees, yeah. Employees, yes, traveling on their own. And um, we looked everywhere for spaces for them. So one woman had a four-year-old sitting in the seat next to her. We asked her if she would mind uh, putting the child on her lap. We needed to give that seat to another passenger for takeoff and landing. And then after takeoff, she could put the child back in the seat. And then where would that person just stand in the back? Then, no, we, after takeoff, they went and they slept in the back closets on, <laughs> on top of the headsets. They scooted into the very last rows of seats against the wall where oh my there's, gosh, yeah. Um, so, you know, this was on a 747, so there were lots of last rows that they could, so most of them slept behind, on the floor, behind the last row of seats, in the closet on both sides at L5 and R5, so that was two over there. And um, It's like stowaways. Yes. <laughs> in the old days. Yeah, but they, to but take off and let you know. Can I mean, you imagine the, the these days? Flight, they would get on the airplane and they'd say, there were no seats, but we're going to sit, we're going to be in the closet. <laughs> and like the moral of that story is, nobody's in the closet anymore. <laughs> okay, so I'm talking about like stuff from way back, but I didn't remember this. Okay. Do you remember the DC-9? Yes. When the ovens were on the floor and we used to serve pancakes? Pulling them literally on the ground? Why were the ovens on the floor? Good question. <laughs> but they were on the floor. And then we had this, get this. We're, we're talking to a more junior play today. They had, we had garment bag closets. Do you remember? So they oh, and they, boxes. Well, no, but, no, but this thing was like an elevator. You put your garment bag in this thing and then you there was a little and it went up in the up. Remember that? <laughs> so and they were layered like Yes, yeah, so you you put and the, then by the bottom it'd be so thick at the bottom cuz each one pushed the other one out. And then you'd have to put a pull and slam the door down over them. And nobody even has a garment bag anymore. We had a special garment bag closet. closet. So to elaborate on this garment bag elevator contraption, <laughs> it kind of goes back to the same thing uh, I was talking about, about innovation and technology. At the time that the L-1011 was made, a lot of people didn't have wheeled suitcases. You had to carry your suitcases and people then carried a garment bag. And if you had a wheeled suitcase at that time, it was not tilted the correct way like they are now they're upright it was on its side and then it had four wheels on the bottom the suitcase a wheeled suitcase and then you had a leash and you pulled it like a dog <laughs> actually on my first book betty and this guy with the suitcase uh, hilarious stories of air travel from the world's favorite flight attendant and the, the cartoon on that front cover has that that wheeled suitcase like a dog <laughs> anyway uh this was a garment bag elevator closet because so many people had garment bags. So at, you know, I have a, I have a feeling 
You know, I have a feeling there has never been one of these contraptions before, and there will never be one again. <laughs> so on the Lockheed L-1011 Tri-Store at the Three Doors, there was a cross aisle with two of these things. So it had a rolling door, so you would roll up the door, and if the bar to hang the garment bags, you would hang them on, sometimes you'll see them halfway, they're folded, you'd have to unfold it so you could fit more in there. And so you would, after you rolled open the door, if the bar to hang the suitcases wasn't there, there's a little toggle switch, and you'd you'd pull it and go, and the bar would come down. And so then you would hang garment bags. And now they're like coming out in the cross aisle. So that's why it goes up in the air because you wouldn't want to, no one would be able to use the cross aisle because there'd be all these garment bags and it wouldn't be safe for takeoff and landing. So you would put all these garment bags on it and then you'd shove them in. Then you'd hit the toggle switch and it'd go up like, like almost to the ceiling. And then you would roll down the door and then it just looked like a cross aisle. It was kind of genius at the time. So all these people had garment bags. So we would smush them in, smash it, do the toggle switch. And then in landing, if we put too many garment bags in there, we'd roll open the door. And when you hit the toggle switch, it wouldn't go, it go, (laughs) which meant it wasn't going to come down. And all these people's garment bags are stuck up near the ceiling. And we'd We'd have to get a mechanic. Those folks didn't think it was exactly genius. Okay, something else happened? Yes, so I've been flying about a month, and here I am, 22 years old, eager beaver, you know, wanted to help everybody out. And I see this man struggling in the back of a 727 with a briefcase. So I walk up to him and I said, you look like you could use an extra hand. And he turned to me and did not have a left arm. Oh, my God. I was mortified. What are the chances? And I've never said that word. I've never said that (laughs) phrase since. In the last 32 years, I've never said it. You guys know I like to invest, but I've been nervous about crypto since I just don't know enough about it. I found this Copy My Crypto membership site that shows you the coins that YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy them. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest as you simply just do what he does. So let me tell you a little bit about James. He runs the Crypto with James YouTube channel, which has over 17,000 subscribers and 1 million views. Since March 2020, he's told his viewers to buy 26 crypto coins. Had you put in 100 bucks into each one, it would now be worth over $53,000. Of those 26 coins, his top pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, is currently up 410 times from when he said. That one call alone has let some people retire, even young people in their 20s and 30s. So if you would like to join the 1,300 members who copy James, head over to copymycrypto.com slash Betty. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said, but my listeners get full access for just a dollar. You won't find this offer anywhere else, so act fast because the offer ends soon. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash Betty. That's B-E-T-T-Y. Don't take this offer lightly. He's the real deal. I had been talking about having to hand deliver because I hadn't thought of meal carts yet. Uh, So we'd also have to pick up all those trays by hand. And what a team 
we would be. So you'd have one flight attendant facing aft with a trash bag on the floor in front of them. And uh, the glasses and the liquid went in the trash bag. And then there'd be another flight attendant facing forward. So you'd have two flight attendants and the first one would stack the trays and the arms of the one <laughs> that she's facing. Okay. So You'd have like three or four trays. Some people were really talented. They could do like five trays, but it was risky because then you'd have to take those trays, you'd have to pile it up in your arms, turn around and run them to another flight attendant who would take them from you. And then she'd turn around and she'd run them to the back alley where there'd be the last flight attendant whose job was to take all those trays and shove them in the meal carriers. (laughs) So one of the funny parts of this whole operation, this like little relay tag team we did to pick up the trays is that the the first flight attendant would always have something in their hands. So when it was time to move to the next row, she couldn't pick up the trash bag. So you'd just kick it with your feet (laughs) to the next row. Classy. Yes, I had a lady who came on and she looked a little tipsy, so we let her go ahead and sit down. Then we were going to talk to her. But before I knew it, all of a sudden, all the passengers started screaming. <laughs> she was puking everywhere. She grabbed the guy's next to her bag and opened his briefcase and puked inside of it. Oh, my it. gosh. And then he, then, so I'm trying to deal with that, and she runs to the bathroom. About 20 minutes later, we're ready to shut the door, but we got to get this lady off. Um, we're knocking on the door, knocking on the door. She's not answering, not answering. Of course, the pilots come back and they're like, um, guess who the only lady is on this trip who gets to unlock the door to see if she's okay? I'm like, me. So I unlock the door. I open it. She's stark naked in the bathroom and has her entire dress in the sink washing it. washing it. Washing her dress. So we got her a towel and we wrapped her up in it. We took her wet dress and we had to, it's on an MD-88, so we had to walk her all the way to the front of the aircraft in front of everyone. And she was like screaming, don't you know me? Don't you know who I am? I'm Nikki. I'm a porn star. Oh. <laughs> so I turned around and I looked at this one guy because just right before that he said, she looks familiar. <laughs> so I looked at this guy and I said, does she still look familiar? He's like, nope, never seen her before in my life. So there were so many different variations of services we would do. Um, we never thought about, you know, charging people for meals. That that, that would seem crazy. <laughs> but um, at one point for the shorter flights, uh, domestically, they came up with a... Um, a grab bag that you would pick up in the jetway and there'd be like this big refrigerator and there'd be like a sandwich, chips and an apple and a cute little white bag with a handle. And we'd have to have one flight attendant stand out there to make sure that they didn't take two or the people in first class didn't take one because they were going to get a whole meal. And so uh, the interesting part of that whole little grab your own snack bag in the time was that they were hard to pick up because he had a little trash bag. You could only fit like four bags in there. So uh, that wasn't a very efficient way to pick up these bags. So somebody, some genius flight attendant figured out that you could loop them. You'd take one handle and you'd loop it in the other one, kind of like you were making a um, popcorn (laughs) string at Christmas time. Anyway, 
So you take the one loop, loop it in the next one, get another one, put it. So you could get, you could have like a, a snake, like a trail of like, tw- we drag it on the floor again. Classy. <laughs> we have like 20 trash bags looped together in this long train that we would drag back to the galley. <laughs> it all seems crazy though. I was saying that it's amazing that flight attendants used to sit and smoke on the jump seat. That's like unimaginable today. Like they'd sit there and wait for the you know, smoking sign to go off and light up. I know a, a former Pan Am flight attendant was telling me, I loved her stories, but she was telling me that she used to sit on the, on the 747 in the upper class area smoke cigarettes and drink gin and tonics while she was working with the passengers. Those were the days. Those were the days. (laughs) So I love flying with this girl because we'd all go out to eat and she'd start telling her stories and sipping on our wine. She starts telling us about how she was a new hire at Pan Am and she would be the baby on the bunch and all these senior Pan Am flight attendants would be meeting these sheiks and Arabs, these wealthy men with their furs on in a hot climate and they would they would spend the night they would take these young Pan Am flight attendants with them to meet these Arabs and these sheiks and they would spend the the senior mamas would spend the night with the the Arabs and the the junior flight attendants would all sleep together in the floor somewhere because they were afraid (laughs) but they take them out on their boats and I mean like lavish right it's, lifestyle again we don't see that anymore it's no. like those were the days i don't want to see that anyway <laughs> but <laughs> anyway some of this stuff the remember when airline stuff just sounds a little crazy but i worked a lot on the lockheed tristar l1011 and that's the famous one we had the elevators in the lower galley and we had three pilots and this sounds ridiculous, but you guys have seen, or I don't know if you've noticed when you're walking through the gallery, we have silver coffee pots in the coffee makers. And um, whenever the air conditioning wasn't working very well on the L-1011, we'd call the pilot and the engineer would come out of the cockpit. Of course, this is before 9-11 because it was easy for them to come back uh, to help us. And they would take the elevator down. They would they they would first stop in the galley and get one of those silver coffee pots. They take the elevator down. There was like a door in the lower galley that went back into the where the all the wiring and everything is for the L ten eleven. And they would take that silver coffee pot and they they bang on the air conditioning unit. And our our silver coffee pots on the L ten eleven always had dents in them from where the pilots were banging on the air conditioning. So this is a silly thing, but I like to have the coffee. You know, the coffee in your hotel room is never that great. It's instant usually. Um, but And then there's powdered cream. And I, I, to make it better, and I need the coffee. I'm flying to Europe. I get there. I've been up all night. I have to take a little nap. I have to get up. When I get up, I need coffee. <laughs> it's not a want. It's a need. And uh, I bring cream from home in a little container, a little plastic container, because... It makes it more palatable for my need for the coffee in the hotel room. So this isn't an easy chore because I like I put it, I put it in it 
like a little ice pack to get it on the commuter flight. I get down to the flight tent lounge. I have to put it in the refrigerator there and don't forget it because it's really easy to forget it now. So then I get on the plane and I put it on the, in the ice on the plane. I got to remember not to forget it. So then I get to the hotel room. You got to remember to put it in the refrigerator in the hotel room. So I get to my hotel room in London and wah, 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 no refrigerator. In general, we always have a refrigerator, but there was no refrigerator. And now it's like, I've been, it's like seven o'clock in the morning, my time, and I haven't gone to sleep and I really want to go to sleep. And I was like, if I call for a refrigerator, it's probably going to take an hour. And then where am I going to put it? It's this teeny, teeny, tiny room in London. Where are you going to put if you're going to put the refrigerator like on the floor, there's almost no floor space. And the next day I did talk to flight attendants and one of them said, all of them, we all were like, I didn't have a refrigerator. I didn't have a refrigerator. I didn't have a refrigerator. And the one flight attendant said that she, it took an hour for them to get it, which is what I was thinking. And then the other flight attendant said, well, I got the refrigerator, but then I could barely get the door open to my room with that refrigerator on the floor. So what I had decided, my genius brain had decided uh, it was a little chilly out, not cold, but a little chilly. And I thought, well, I'll open the window and I'll put my cream on the metal, like right inside the window. And hopefully that'll keep it, you know, it's homogenized. I'm thinking, I think it'll be okay. So then I take my nap. I get up and ready to make my coffee and it's gone. I don't know if a bird... (laughs) That is a little Ziploc bag. I don't know if a bird came and took it or there was some wind and it fell out. <laughs> I had been so successful getting my cream from home to the hotel room and it was just disappeared. And luckily I was only on the second floor because I, I could know people would be thinking, you could hurt somebody if you were on a high floor. But it's a plastic container too. But um, but it was a big, it was a big cream. Okay, so where were you flying? Uh, I'd been flying about two years at the time, so this was probably 1992, and I was going from Tokyo to Manila, and this Filipino lady gets on, and she asks me if I have a comfort room. A comfort room? Yeah, I thought it was like the something lounge, like yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm like, no, not on the airplane, it's in the airport. And she's like, I cannot believe you do not have a comfort room. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, those are in the airport, they're not on the plane. <laughs> And about an hour into the flight, she's like literally crying. I'm like, ma'am, what's wrong? She goes, I have to go pee-pee. I need a compart room. She meant a bathroom, a restroom, a lavatory. I didn't know that that's what they call <laughs> comfort <laughs> rooms. So then at one point we did this service. This is a DC-9, so it was a long time ago. And... um we do a service like on a 30 minute flight and it would be trays of glasses where you had Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, and I think it was orange juice. And there was no way we could get this done. So what we would do is on the ground, we'd like make like a hundred glasses of ice so that we could then, but this is before takeoff, uh, before the passengers got on. We just had the, the all the, the counters of the DC-9 were lined with ice trays so that we could jump up when the no smoking sign went off. That's when we used to get up. You'd line the, the, the ice glasses on the, on the DC-9 for takeoff. Now you understand. I know you don't like how we tell you to bring your seat back forward. Oh, you have to put your bag under your seat there. You know, oh, this bag, if you're in the front row, it has to go in the overhead bin. Oh, worried about our, you know, regulations. But I don't think those glasses of ice 
covering the counter in the jetway <laughs> would have been under any regulation. Like, we shouldn't have done that, but that was the only way we could get the service done. I want to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to buy something on Amazon. You took a few extra seconds, went to my website, BettyInTheSky.com, quick, clicked on any of the Amazon links. It doesn't cost you anymore. It supports the show. You can even bookmark it so it can take a little less time. And I like to see what people buy. This past month, somebody bought Tabanero Hot Sauce, a book called Willpower, Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength, Love that. And somebody else bought Kerrygold Irish Butter, which is something I buy. So I want to thank any of you. Take a few extra seconds. Go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. Click through any Amazon links. And I thank you so very much. So we were talking about all the change that we've seen in our career. And sometimes it can be in ways you wouldn't expect. Like when you showed up in briefing and couldn't figure out why I don't go by Karen anymore. <laughs> so why don't you go by Karen anymore? Well, I was doing a domestic flight, and I was the lead flight attendant, so I was working up front, and there was a woman who kept pulling her mask down. It was either off completely, or she would pull it down to talk to the people around her. So finally, at the end of the flight, I thought, I need to say something to her. I didn't want to right. card her and tell her, you know, she's broken federal law. Right. But, so I was kind enough to say, I've had to tell you the whole flight to put your mask back right. on. With this whole COVID thing, you know, right. we're all over it. Yeah. We, I mean, like, not all yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> in, both, in both senses, <laughs> we have to be all over the people who don't wear the mask. Yeah. But we're overdoing that, right? Yes. We don't like being the mask no. So I said, you know, I've had to tell you the whole flight, and I just want to let you know that you should probably get used to it, because it's federal law, and we take it very seriously. So she looks at my wings, and she says, oh, I see now. I see your name. And I said, what is that supposed to mean? Like in the old days, people would write a letter to the company, right. so they right. wanted your name. Well, right. of course, it's not the old days. No. <laughs> she said, I see now. You're a Karen. Oh, my God. And she pulled her mask down to say that. So I figured, I have five names. I'll just go to the next one. And then, and if that turns out to be a dirty word, then the next name I have is Maria. And if that's a dirty word, God help us all. <laughs> so my little theme is remember when for the airline. And for the longest time, when we did the meal service and we would run out those trays, on the tray was a little plastic white coffee cup. And after we were done with the meals and the beverage service, before we would pick up the trays, we'd have to go through and serve coffee. And we, <laughs> we had this little white plastic tray. And then we would take paper towels and we would line up the plastic tray and then wet the paper towels. I don't know what, what great idea this was. Who thinks that a wet paper towel is so that things wouldn't, um, it they would stay <laughs> on, the, on the really pretty wet paper lined tray. So then on that tray, we'd have cream and sugar. And then the plan for this is we have a coffee pot and this weird paper towel lined tray with cream and sugar. And the idea is that I hand the tray over, you put your 
coffee cup on my tray, then I pour the coffee in the aisle, then with the tray, I hand it back to you. And then you take the cream and sugar, right? That sounds reasonable, right? Well, <laughs> well, not so much. We'd say, here, put your cup on my tray. And almost always, like nine times out of 10, the passenger would try to take the tray. Like, what are you going to do with a paper towel lined tray with cream and sugar? Like, that doesn't give you any coffee. And so then we'd be like, no, you put your cup on my tray. (laughs) You go to the next person and they try to take the tray. It was so irritating. It was such a point of frustration for flight attendants that at one point, we have a flight attendant store, somebody actually made a t-shirt that said, put your damn cup on my tray. Okay, so you went for a different airline and I'm talking about all the stuff we used to do. So what did you have? We had ice sculptures with stolies and caviar placed on them. And what, you took it in the aisle? Yes, and we would put dry ice in water with linens around it. To make it so like So it would make smoky. But what did, would it melt during the flight? No, we weren't <laughs> out there that long. <laughs> so I've been bringing up all of these things to flight attendants as I've been working the last like month and a half. And one flight attendant said, oh yeah, I was on a 727. And it was all new flight attendants except for her. And she was in charge and she had all like all of two years and she's working first class. And she kept peeking through the curtain because these all these flight attendants were new and they got to get this meal out. They got to do the beverage service. They got to do that whole coffee on the tray, wet paper towel line tray thing and then they got to pick up all the trays and shove them in those carriers in the back so now they're starting the pilot makes the PA that we're starting our initial descent and so she goes back there and they had just delivered the last meal tray they hadn't done the coffee service but you're not worried about that now she's like keep those little trays those paper towel line trays away we got to pick up all of these trays and there's no carts and she's like look I'll tell you what I'll pick up the trays I'll run them in and you guys just shove them in the carriers and the flight attendants the new flight attendants because they knew they hadn't done well because she's like she's basically saying (laughs) and they start crying and she's like there's no time for crying we had to pick up all these trays so she's picking up trays like eight at a time from she has her her arms all the way down like to her knees and and she's having this other flight attendant just pile them up she's like pile them up pile them up and she would like eight trays and she'd hold the top one with her chin (laughs) she would hold the top one with her chin this is dirty food she's holding with her face and she's running back to the galley she has food all over the place the flight attendants in the back are every time she went back there they were crying and she was like we don't have time for crying So you started what? Started in 1972 with Eastern Airlines, where we had no overhead bin compartments. They were all open for hat boxes, and we used to have to pass them all, the coats and hats down to the passengers when we landed. And we strapped the suitcases, their carry-on items, in the seat, in the seat belt, with the seat belts. But what if there were a bunch of suitcases? You just had to do what you had to do. Yes, yeah. That's crazy. I know. So talking about weird stuff along 
the airline history. Uh, Western, I always heard that Western had a cardboard volcano. Actually, I don't know if it was cardboard. I don't know what the volcano was made of, but they had a volcano that they took out in the aisle and they put dry ice with water on it to make the smoke coming out of the volcano. And I think they were serving punch uh, in the aisle. So I looked it up. And sure enough, there's an ad that says, the only airline to Hawaii with an active volcano on board, Western's exotic volcano punch. (laughs) When was the last time you saw a volcano on your flight? So you worked for Pan Am and there was an infamous flight attendant, right? Yes, her name was Zoe. (laughs) And back then we used to have um, grooming checks. Which so it's hard had, to kind of believe these days. Can you imagine, yes, like, well, we grooming checks? We had to weigh a certain amount, so right. you had to get on the scale, and um, you had to have your makeup on. And so one day, uh, Zoe used to wear lots and lots of makeup. So they told her, Zoe, you have way too much makeup on. You can't wear that much makeup. And so she went and she took it off, and when they looked at her, they said... Zoe, go put your makeup back on. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm taking a little trip to Roatan, Honduras, later this month, which I have been before, but it's been many, many years, and I like to see how things have changed. And it's a really nice island, but one of the things I think is uh, curious about uh, the island of Roatan off of Honduras is that the capital city, are you ready? Wait for it. The name of the capital city of Roatan is Coxenhole. I'm sorry, did you hear that? The name of the city is Coxenhole. That's like the worst name of a city ever. Training in 1979, and uh, we all had weight check. So... I was five foot four and my weight was 121, my maximum weight. I remember that number so good because I was 119 pounds back then and I didn't worry. It was right. two pounds away. But I had other girls in my um, training class the night before weight check. So we went the entire six weeks of training and then bef- after you passed everything and before they sent you to your base, you had to go stand on the scale again. and. We had been in Hawaii for six weeks, and some of them, you know, had gained a little bit of weight. I mean, you 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 were not allowed to be over your weight limit; otherwise, you got sent home. So the night before weight check, they wrapped themselves in saran wrap, (laughs) head to toe, went jogging until they sweated as much water out as possible to lose the couple pounds they needed to pass weight check. Other they'd, otherwise, after all that work, they'd right. have gotten sent home again. Yeah, it's shrink-wrapped flight attendants. <laughs> In a previous podcast, I was talking about how we have to check the crew rest area multiple times just to make sure there's no stowaways, there isn't somebody, a passenger got in there by mistake. We just have to check. And I always say, just once I want to find somebody down here to, you know, to justify all this checking. And that story, they had found a a sleep 
cleaner, which was a good thing she checked because that cleaner probably didn't have his passport on him, and uh, he would have been in Europe and uh, up a creek, <laughs> so to speak. So anyway, so I on this last trip, I go to Crew Rest, and uh, there's three of us going in at the same time, and the one girl goes... There's somebody in my bunk. We sign up for bunks ahead of time by seniority. <laughs> Got some are better than others. Some are bigger. And uh, I look and I see the curtain isn't closed. And all I see is jeans. A man's butt in jeans. And there's no crew member in jeans. And I go, oh, my God, there's somebody. There's there, there's somebody down here. There is a passenger. And I was like, oh, my God, I was about ready to yank him out. <laughs> My, the loops in his jeans. And the one girl goes, oh, oh, it, it's the jump seater. It's the jump seater. And I was like, oh, thank goodness I didn't react too quickly. Because, because I there was a pilot jump seater. So we were totally full. And if you're totally full, um, if you're a pilot, you're allowed to sit in the cockpit on the jump seat, the full down uncomfortable seat for a long nine hour flight. And if there is an extra bunk, you are allowed to go in the crew rest area. But uh, I just, my mind automatically just went to stowaway, stowaway, terrace. And thank goodness she said it because I was about to ready. I was ready to yank him out by his jean belt loops. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye.